Yes, thank you, Scott, and thank you, praise team. Good morning once again. It's good, uh, good to be here today and uh, be able to uh, open God's word with you and, uh, and, uh, and be a, a preacher teacher today. So uh, again, God is good. Uh, we are going through the Psalms this summer, and uh, this Sunday we're looking at Psalm 145. Uh, there are different types and categories of Psalms. And um, this one is a psalm of praise, a psalm of praise, 145, Psalm 145, and uh, I will get there. And there we are, Psalm 145, and uh, I'll read God's word for us here this morning. A song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They will speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works will give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. God's reading for us here this morning. And with that, I'd like to open with prayer um, at this time. Dear Lord, once again, we just thank you for your word. And dear Lord, we pray that your, uh, that your spirit will now lead and guide us as we often say, Father, that we, we know, Father God, that you are present, that you are here, that God, the Holy Spirit, you are here with us. We pray now that as we have heard your word and we hear your word proclaimed, that you will give us ears to hear what you would want us to hear. We pray this in your name, in your name alone. Amen. I'm going to say uh, a number of words, and when I do, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Fireworks. Christmas. 
elephant, Mother Teresa, Abraham Lincoln. I I think it's true. As soon as we hear a word, uh, on the whole, uh, it it can be summed up that we we think of a characteristic of that, that person or thing. Usually that's what happens. We, we hear the word and we think of their quality, its quality, or, or a characteristic associated with it. And now it's interesting that the word, another word for a characteristic is the word antidote. And in the, in the dictionary, we, we have this definition of, excuse me, attribute. I said antidote, sorry. Attribute, characteristic attribute. And here's the definition It's a quality or characteristic of a person, place, or thing. It's something inherent in them. It's their DNA. It's who and what they are. And so now we look at Psalm 145, and this psalm is classified as a praise psalm. David is lifting up um, God as king. And why? Why? Well, he says this, and I'm paraphrasing. He's saying, notice who he is this great God, and notice what he is like. See his attributes, his character, his virtues. See his qualities, and then he lists them. It's amazing to me. The Lord is great, and you find all these attributes here in this psalm. He's great, majestic. He is good. He is righteous. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in love, and he is righteous, and he's faithful. Over and over and over again, David is just lifting up the attributes of God. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that has redeemed us. This is the God that we worship. A little bit about Psalm 145. It's it's an alphabetical acrostic psalm. What that means is that all 22 letters of the Hebrew language are used in this psalm. And every letter starts a new couplet through the psalm. In our English Bible, verse 13 carries two of those Hebrew words. You'll see in our English version there's 21 verses. In Hebrew there's 22. Verse 1 and 2 and verse 21 frame this psalm. The theme is praise. Notice verse 1 and 2. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. And then verse 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Its center also carries that theme of praise and worship. Verse 10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints will bless you. Now between verses 1 and 2 and verse 21, we find four stanzas. We find four verses which highlight an attribute of God. Verse 3 God is great, or the Lord is great. Verse 9, the Lord is good. Verse 13, the Lord is faithful. Verse 17, God is righteous. Now, what's interesting here is concerning verse 8 
The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. There is some discussion. Bible students and scholars see, some of them see this verse as a standalone. A standalone. And some others see this verse, verse 8, really starting the second verse or second stanza. Psalm 145 is a song. And so there are verses, stanzas that people would actually read and sing. Well, the, both positions here are really have merit and it's all good. Personally, this morning, I am going to land with you on verse 8 as a standalone verse. It has deep historical significance in the life of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament. And so this morning, we're going to center on verse 8. Most of my time will be here at this verse. Again, it's a, it's a beautiful verse. The Lord is gracious, compassionate, or merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. This verse, verse uh, 8 here, occurs eight times in the Old Testament. Exodus 34, Numbers 14, Nehemiah 9, three times in the Psalms, Psalm 86, 103, 145, and then also Joel 2 and Jonah 4. The pivotal passage is found in in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7. It is where God reveals himself to Moses, Exodus 34, 6 through 7. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. Every Jewish person who would hear these words, Psalm 145 and other passages that I mentioned, every Jewish person would automatically understand the context where these words occurred the first time. And they occurred the first time here in the Exodus story. And namely, in the Exodus story, Exodus 32 in our English Bibles, through Exodus 34, it's the story of the golden calf. And here's the story, and, and I'm going to go really quickly through three, three chapters in the Old Testament. But here's the story. God redeemed Israel out of Egypt. He brought them to Mount Sinai. Moses is up in the mountain receiving instruction from the Lord. Uh, he's taking a bit of time. The people grow impatient, and so they decide to build a golden calf, and they worship it. The Lord sees this, and he even says, oh, these stiff-necked people. He sees them sinning. He sees them disobeying, rebelling, and he's ready to pour out his wrath upon them to consume them. However, Moses intervenes. And Moses says, oh, Lord, remember your covenant promise. Remember what you had said to Abram, Isaac, and Israel. Please, Please, have mercy. God relents, interesting enough. He relents, and uh, he does not pour out his wrath on all the people. It is at that time that God says to Moses, hmm, um, an angel will go with you to the promised land, but I'm not going to go. In verse 33, he, chapter 33, verse uh, 3 He says, least I consume my people on the way, for they are a stiff-necked people. 
Moses intervenes again and says, oh, Lord, you know, if, if, if you're not going to go with us to the promised land, I'm not going to go. And um, interesting enough, paraphrasing here what Moses is saying, Lord, if you don't go with us, we, we don't have a chance. We're doomed. And so again, God relents. And he says this. He says, he says this to Moses. He goes, um, uh, since I have found favor in your eyes, Moses, I will go with you, and my presence will go with you. And then Moses responds, Lord, let me see your glory. And God says, indeed, you will see my glory, but not my face. And it's at that time that God passes past Moses. He passes by him as he's in the cleft of the, of the mountain. And he says these words, the Lord, the Lord, <clears throat> a God who is merciful and um, compassionate, and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God had revealed his name earlier, the burning bush, Exodus chapter 3, I am who I am. But here is really in many ways expounding on that name. I am who I am. You know who I am, he's saying? This is who I am. I am gracious. I am merciful. I am slow to anger. I am bounding in unfailing love. That's who I am. Now think with me. Think with me how merciful and gracious and how slow to anger and abounding in love God was with his people Israel. In Exodus chapter 2, we read that God hears his people, the the moaning and groaning of his people in slavery in Egypt. And God remembers the promise that he had made to Abraham. And so he redeems his people miraculously, the parting of the Red Sea. God is the God of grace. And when we think of grace, that word grace, the word means gift, a gift undeserved, undeserved. And what does God say to the Israelites? It's really interesting. Two passages here in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 7. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are in the, on the face of the earth, it was not because you are more in number um, than other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you. No, not at all. For you were the fewest of all people. And in Deuteronomy 9, God says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. You are a stubborn people. God chose Israel not because they earned it. Not at all. God is saying, it's not due to your strength. It's not due to your moral righteousness. No, not at all. You are a stiff-necked people. I chose you simply out of grace. Exodus 33, verse 19, God says, I will be gracious on whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Remarkable, the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments begin and start with a word of grace. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's grace before law. And I think we all have heard this from time to time. We've heard some people say the Old Testament is law, the New Testament is grace. Well, not so. That that really is bad theology. It's grace all the way through Old and New Testament. 
God is slow to anger. God is slow. Interesting, anger is not God's first go-to. He's slow to anger. Think with me again how patient God was with his people Israel in the Exodus story. He redeems them, Exodus 15, and, and it only takes about three days, their lack of water and their lack of food, that they begin to murmur and complain. They even have the audacity to say in chapter 16, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Apparently they forgot his mighty deeds, the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. However, God is patient. And even in this story of the golden calf, we find through Moses' intervention, God relenting from his full wrath. Two times he patiently listens to his servant Moses and yields to mercy and to grace. Again, again, we see anger is not God's first go-to. And then we read, God is abounding in steadfast love. What a beautiful, beautiful phrase in, in the Bible. The Hebrew word for love means that there's a commitment of con- unconditional goodwill and favor to another person. One makes a commitment to another's well-being and includes, of course, feeling, but also action, action. God's love for his people is steadfast. The word means unwavering, uh, unfailing. And then we read, too, that it's un, uh, abounding. It's overflowing and teeming. The NIV Study Bible, or the Bible, translates the word steadfast as unfailing, unfailing love. It occurs 26 times in the Psalms. Unfailing God, love. It's as the psalmist is reminding himself, the writers, themselves, and God's people, this is the God that has redeemed us. This is the God that has done so much for us. This is the God that is so benevolent. Who is he? He's a God of unfailing love. Over and over and over again, we read that. Notice with me how God's love is described in Psalm 145, how it's demonstrated in Psalm 145. Verse 9, he is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he's made. Verse 13, the Lord is faithful in all his words, kind, kind in all his works. 14, verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling. Verse 16, you open your hand, I love that phrase, The psalmist says to God, you open your hand, you satisfy the desires of every living thing. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. Verse 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Is not this the God that we would want to serve? Is this not the God that we are looking for? One who is great and powerful, and yet one who demonstrates his power through healing and blessing, lifting people up, redeeming them, and blessing them. The character of the king is the character of his kingdom. Let me repeat that. That is very, very important in the psalm. The character of the king is the character and the virtues of his kingdom. 
of his kingdom. His kingdom, his reign, is one of goodness, faithfulness, and righteousness. That's how he reigns. That's how he rules. Notice with me verses 11 and 12, what David says. He says, God's people will speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Just love that phrase, glorious splendor. Now we know that, that scripture, all of scripture, Old Testament scripture, all finds its fulfillment in Christ Jesus. And we, we, we know that true. We, we think of Jesus' words to his disciples after his resurrection. Luke 24, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so we even ask ourselves, was not Jesus, when we look through the Gospels, was not Jesus gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love? Was he not great and mighty and and yet good and faithful in all his dealings? That's the God that we serve and that we love This God could command the the wind and the sea and say, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was calm, Mark 4. Jesus could say to the paralytic, man, your sins are forgiven you, Luke 5. He could say to a woman, he could say, neither do I condemn you, go, and from now on sin no more, John 8. And then he could say to all people in Matthew 11, He says, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is this not the God that we are looking for? Is this not the God that's portrayed and revealed in Scripture? And is not this the God who continues to make this gracious offer even today? Are you, we have to ask ourselves, are we tired, perhaps some of us, of the religious treadmill that we're on or the spiritual treadmill that we're on or that we hear perhaps those friends or neighbors, co-workers that they're on? But scripture is clear. God redeems us not because of our physical physique or strength. God redeems us not because of our own goodness or righteousness or good deeds. Not at all. We are a stubborn and sinful people. Romans, we've gone through Romans. Romans says that very clearly. We are a stiff-necked people. For some reason, I just love that little phrase. We are a stiff-necked people. Oh, my God redeems us out of grace, and it's undeserved, a gift, and he offers it to us. He offers grace and righteousness. We simply receive it. Isn't that a wonderful thought, news? We simply receive it. We acknowledge our sinfulness before a holy and gracious and merciful God. We accept his grace, Jesus' gift of atonement, atonement for our sins on the cross. We come to him and ask for his forgiveness. We have nothing to claim, nothing to boast about. We ask Jesus to come and become the center of our lives. 
And then for the rest of our lives, we live in praise. Because this God has redeemed us. This God has delivered us. This God now makes his home within us and we can live for him. We become blessed to be a blessing and to serve him. Again, is this not the God that we're looking for? So some thoughts now on application of the psalm, Psalm 145. Some application. The theme, as I mentioned, of the psalm is praise. God the king is to be praised. Praise is something we say and do. Notice with me in the psalm these words. Bless, sing, tell, declare, speak. These words occur over and over again. It's something that we need to do. Praise implies the opening of our, of our mouths that we can say, Amen. Yes, praise the Lord. It's something we say. It's something we say. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning, we have to ask ourselves, is praise for God? Is praise for God his greatness, his character, part of my daily life. We read in verse 2, every day I will praise you. I need to confess this past week when I read that, it was really convicting to me. Every day? Every day I will praise you? So how, do, how is that possible? How do we do that? And so some thoughts here. Verse 5, David says, on your wondrous works I will meditate. I love that word, meditate. It means that we pondered, to contemplate. It implies one slows down, slows down to consider what one is reading and what one is contemplating and reflecting upon. We don't run through a museum, do we? We don't run through an art gallery. And that's what, that's what, that's what uh, meditation means. We stop, we, we look, we ponder, we reflect and so here's the thought this, this week. Read, please, read with me if you like. Every day read Psalm 145. Notice how the theme of praise, beginning and the end, notice how that takes place. But then notice in this song these stanzas, these verses, these headings of that God is great and that God is gracious and that God is also faithful and is righteous. And then each day, each day reflect, reflect on one stanza. Just, just read just the four, the five verses. Maybe just take verse eight by itself. Read them a few times. Stop and reflect on a word, a phrase that catches your eye. Stay there a bit. Don't be in a hurry. Ponder the verse as an artist ponders a painting. And then, as you pray and think through what God is saying, be open to the Spirit's leading and guiding and His prompting. We, I really do believe in the evangelical church, we need to learn how to meditate, how to meditate on God's Word to take it in. Another exercise in Psalm 145, another exercise here is this idea of the, 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 the letter itself or the psalm itself, it's an alphabetical acrostic. Each couple or couplet starts with the letter of the Hebrew um, alphabet. So today or this week, a piece of paper, write down all 
the alphabet, the English alphabet, and then next to every letter, think of an attribute of God that starts with that letter. And, uh, you know, A, what came to my mind is awesome. (laughs) B, beautiful, because he is beautiful. And then just work your way through that. It's a great exercise together with a friend, a couple, a family, parents with your children. Wonderful exercise to do. And I really believe, in many cases, as we do that, automatically within us, the, the, the spirit of praise lifts up to the surface. This is the God that we worship. And, and, and use the Psalms. As you read through the Psalms, you might see another attribute of God and, and write that down as well. And maybe don't even stick with one word behind a letter. Maybe there's more than one word behind that letter. And then also, lastly, please do pick up, if not already, uh, just a very good study Bible. I recommend the ESV and also the NIV study Bibles, or even both. Um, you, you observe what I did in verse 8. And that, that came about through, through a study Bible, through, through study and, and reading the, 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 the study Bible and reading what is being said about that verse. And then, and then reading that it goes back into the history of Israel. Every psalm has a history, has historical context. There's a reason why that verse is there or that chapter is there. And so, um, again, to ponder, to reflect. So often the writers are encouraging God's people to remember, to remember the mighty acts of God in creation, the Exodus story, and how he he worked in the lives of of people in the Old Testament. To remember. There's there's something beautiful about remembering. We we take out a, a photo album of the past, and we begin to look through and, and as we see the pictures, oh, then thoughts come back to us. We remember what took place. Remembrance, so powerful. And in the Psalms, that happens all the time. The writer is encouraging people to remember. Their purpose is to arouse and awaken praise and wonder and worship in the hearts of God people. This is the God. This is the God. Remember, this is the God who abounds in steadfast love. And so I end with verse 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And forever and ever is a very long time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you once again for your word, and um, Lord, it it is so precious. It is so precious. And and, and dear dear Father, we we see what a great God you are when we we see your attributes, your your, your character, who you are. It's, It's your DNA. It's your DNA. This is the God that we serve. Oh, Lord, um, Thank you again, and we pray that as we, as we ponder, as we take the time, it's really probably the key, that we take the time every day to ponder, to reflect, to meditate on your word and see, to see once again the great God that we serve, that we love. 
Thank you, Lord, for Psalm 145. May we continue to praise you in the service. In your name we pray. Amen.